Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam from Back Patio Network, and as always, we are joined by... Mike Atkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. Another episode in the bag, episode 63, and uh, we are covering chapters 43, 44, 45, and 46 of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. And it, they, they were good. Uh, you know, we're kind of in this in-between, it seems like. 43 finishes off the storyline that we left off with, and then we get a couple of, I don't want to say random stories, but they don't really connect. It doesn't seem like we're, we're in that in-between, you can tell. You know, something big is about to happen, I feel like, in the Vigilante's world. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, too, because it's not that nothing relevant or pertinent or permanent takes place in some of these chapters, Um, because there is, even in, like, the last one of our chapters is like this feels almost like My Hero Academia Vigilantes colon the Christmas special. But there's something that takes place at the end that you're like, oh, that's important. That's going to be big and have ramifications down the line. Um, So that's kind of nice. And they pull that same kind of trick with the other two um, chapters. If if nothing else, I mean, to be fair to Vigilantes, I mean, we're we're very big on it. But we just finished watching and and reviewing uh, the new My Hero Academia movie. And so, like, going from that back to Vigilantes was kind of jarring. It was, yeah. Yeah, it definitely was. And if you missed that episode of ours 100% after you watch the movie, because it is super spoiler heavy, because, um, we, you know, we do with it like we do with everything. We just, we recap all of the things and give our thoughts on them. Uh, so if you miss that, once you catch up to that movie, you should absolutely watch it. We had so much fun recording that. It's a double long episode. Uh, and it, it was, it was super fun to record. I listened to it twice. Um, <laughs> just cause I love the sound of Adam's sultry voice in my ears while I'm doing a uh, hard labor around other people's homes. So I'm sure that's what it is. That's, that's definitely what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, we switch mediums, um, for literally from one week to the next we're recording in back to back weeks. And, uh, we haven't done that really since we got current on the anime. Yeah, that's right. Because we've been going kind of uh, bi-weekly, I guess, or bi-monthly. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, every two week, every two weeks we record, um, and that and part of that is scheduling, and part of that is we liked um, the the format that we started uh, the AMP with, which is we cover two episodes of the anime. Well, when the anime when we, when you're caught up on the anime, you have to wait two weeks uh, to get those two episodes in. Uh, so mm-hmm. we we decided to keep the format and. Uh, produce content a little less frequently, uh, but with no less quality and intentionality. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we're now halfway through Vigilantes. I mean, am I saying that right? I feel like we've been, we've read like 43 issues and I'm, I'm sitting here now and I'm like, I feel like I say that weird every time. Vigilantes. Yeah, that's right. Now, explain to the listeners why you think we're halfway through. Well, so I say we're halfway through. What I really mean is currently there are about 90 issues out, and we're on uh, chapter 43. So we're about halfway through what is currently released. There's no telling, though, how many issues there could be. I mean, My Hero is up to like 290-something now, so this could go on for eternity. I think that Horikoshi's intent, especially for My Hero proper, is that it not goes on, that it doesn't go on forever. I would imagine Vigilantes has a very set ending time, too. I just have no idea what it is, if it has been uh, public, uh, publicized somewhere. It, it could continue on, I suppose, and meet up eventually with the, the TV show or the anime, the main, the main story. You know, because this is five years before My Hero Proper, if I remember correctly. So Correct. eventually, at some point in time, they're going to get caught up. I mean, this really could continue going on. I, I hope it doesn't, though. And it's something I've always kind of wondered, like, when the creators of Bleach first started out, did they expect to have a thousand episodes? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Or or was it like a really simple, yeah, we'll knock this out in maybe 20 chapters, and then here we are seven years later and thousands and thousands of hours. I wonder if it's like that. I, I have no idea. Me neither. Um, but if we keep going at the current pace that we have with Vigilantes, which we will continue to do until the uh, My Hero Academia anime uh, resurfaces in spring of next year, uh, then, you know, every every episode that we record brings us one step closer to uh, reviewing Ties and Socks from Hot Topic, which I'm not totally against, to be honest. So I do need some new ties. That's for sure. I do not. I don't wear ties unless somebody is getting married or somebody is getting buried. Those are, the, those are the only two circumstances under which I put on anything that even remotely resembles a suit. Well, man, I say we go ahead and jump into 43. What do you think? Let's do it. Mine uh, in the production manga is called Casanova. 
Mine is as well. I think I finally have caught up to the point where the site I'm using for translations is almost identical to what you've got now. Because I think the last couple have been the same. I think you're right. And I wonder if they were just like, if they caught some flack, you know, maybe they're listening to the AMP and and they hear you going, <laughs> what is going on with these lame titles? And they were like, you maybe. know what? Fine. They throw their hands up. That's it. We're just calling everything what the manga does. I like that. That's exactly what headcanon. That's what's happening. That's right. Headcanon is always valid canon. Uh, <laughs> so we pick up with, uh, in this chapter, where we left off in the previous chapter, still at this uh, singles-only mixer uh, with a bunch of college females and about half of the Feather Hats band, including Koichi. And we know, a little dramatic irony uh, that Koichi doesn't even know, um, is that Midnight is in attendance uh, masquerading as a college, one of these college women, uh, and so is Pop Step. And, you know, it's funny because, like, I, I read the first probably five or six panels and I was like, what is going on? I had to go back and reread the last chapter because it was so confusing. I, that's the one thing I remembered was just being like, yeah, that last chapter was really confusing, too. Uh, so I reread that real quick and then I, I realized what was happening. And we open up 43 with Ren basically just flirting with Koichi right in front of Pop. She's getting all jelly. She's not happy about it. So she's kind of trying to, like, flirt back but not doing a great job. Yeah, Koichi is a chick magnet at the beginning of this chapter. And it's so funny because the other guys are like, what is going on? Yeah, I mean, they they have to feel intimidated because at at one point in just like two pages time, he's going to have three women practically throwing themselves at him. Yeah. And so uh, when they when they when the other guys see this, they basically say something like, yeah, we ain't we ain't going to bail you out, dude. And I was like, yeah, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't want you to bail me out either. Three, three <laughs> women throwing themselves at me because Rin right. here is even like, what are you ever going to do with me, Koichi? And Koichi, because he's Koichi, is completely oblivious to literally all of it. So he is oblivious, but Pop is all over this. And she, and Pop starts butting in and trying to steal some of Koichi's attention away from Rin. But uh, Midnight is in the back basically encouraging all this, all this flirtation and hormones. She even tells uh, Pop Step at one step that she, at one point rather, that she needs to start making moves too. Well, she, she, there's a weird comment she has where she says, what else is youth good for otherwise? Let it all ooze out from your bodies and souls. <laughs> her terminology in this chapter is insane yeah it's it's it feels disturbing but you can't like point a finger at it even out of context and be like see this is like this is salacious and gross uh language like she's just it's just in context it's just like well okay slow down midnight especially because yeah. these these aren't children i mean they're they're presumably all college college aged um koichi might even be the youngest of them possibly because he's not of drinking age but still it feels very strange it does feel strange uh and then they realize that hina the other lady or the other girl uh is gone and at the end of the last chapter what i remember is her pulling out some trigger assuming she was going to use it on herself to try to do something but we know that they're all here basically staking out this Trigger conniption is what I'm going to say, because all these mixers, randomly people have been getting hit with trigger. So we know that they're there to stake that out. Uh, she comes back and she's all prettied up. Uh, she doesn't even look the same. I mean, like she's got a full haircut and everything, it seems like. It is strange. Um, the th- see, the thing that I remember about Hina from the last chapter was that she was sucking on a vomit soaked towel. That's right. Yeah. And here's the craziest part about that is it is. It has no relevance to anything ever nope. again. Like, I think you and I both assumed that it had something to do with her quirk. Like, there was no way it didn't, right? And right. it's not even brought up. Like, they, they don't mention it. She's not, she doesn't say anything about it. She doesn't appear to be displaying any kind of a quirk. She's just back, and she's prettier than before. Nobody's like, you smell like you're the one that vomited. And I actually saw some articles in the internet, thank God, that other people were like, what the hell, vigilantes? What was that about? Why is she <laughs> slurping up some barf and then it doesn't matter to anything? You were just being gross. Even uh, Horikoshi at the end of uh, the volume and like his little, uh, you know, encouraging notes to the uh, creative team here just writes, that was disgusting when she was sucking on that barf soap towel for Ohashi. So he, even he's like, why? <laughs> yeah, it has no relevance. It was just super gross. But... Yeah, anyway, it's it's not touched at all. Uh, Hina comes back in. They all talk about how she looks different. And then she starts making the uh, moves towards Koichi. She's like, 
Uh, but once that that switch is flipped, I'm all in, if you know what I mean. Like, if she had stopped before the if you know what I mean, it probably would have been read a lot more innocently. But, uh, the, the, yeah. you know, those those six little words uh, transform context rather rather significantly. Oh, very quickly, yeah. And and Popstep is like, uh, what is going on? Like, another of these women are making a beeline for Koichi? So she grabs Midnight and is like, hey, uh, so you're just going to go ahead and arrest them all now, right? Like, let's just get this over with. She's... She does not want to see Koichi just being uh, loved on like that. Uh, so she, you know, she's trying to get Midnight to arrest them. But Midnight's like, well, they're really just suspects. And I've not seen any proof yet. So we're just going to keep enjoying the mixer. Why don't you make some moves? <laughs> some guy brings in, uh, like a waiter brings in a round of drinks that nobody can remember ordering. But Hina just jumps right on it. And this panel is weird, too, because she's like on the floor crawling to him. Yeah. Well, you know, they all sit on the floor, basically. Yeah, but the way this is drawn is very creepy, in my opinion. So she intercepts this guy, and then she pulls out the trigger and is applying drops of it to a beer. She's basically roofing a beer uh, that she intends to get uh, Koichi to drink. She wants his quirk to activate um, and ruin this whole budding relationship between him and Rin. Which, while we're here, what do you suspect would happen if Koichi did take trigger? You know, I'm not sure. I like to think, though, that he would be able to start, like, shooting off some pretty intense key blasts. Because we find out shortly after this panel here that this trigger is kind of a toned-down version of it. And it seems like it doesn't cause you to go crazy and, like, rage out. It just causes your quirk to enhance a bit. Yeah, so, man, what does that look like for Koichi? Does he just start... Does it, does it does he just get ice physics all the time where he can't, you know, he gains no traction no matter what he's doing? Or is he just hmm. shooting off the little palm key blasts, you know, erratically? I wonder if there would be some sort of like barrier emitting from him, because isn't it essentially like a some sort of like force field that he's able to generate? Yeah. I wonder if he'd just be stuck in a bubble, you know, I'd be I, I kind of want to see uh, Koichi on trigger now. Yeah. Not like I want to see a lot of a lot of heroes on trigger, honestly. I don't want to see them get roofied, but I I would be interested in seeing them souped up. You know, like what what yeah, would that yeah. look like? What would Pop Step look like on trigger? On this trigger in particular? I mean <laughs> she just she just bounces and rockets through the ceiling, like it leaves a cartoonish hole in her wake. Trigger by the Acme Corporation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, she is breaking <laughs> off the trigger into these drinks, and it's really funny because Koichi's like, no, nah, I'm underage. I can't drink that. And so she's frantically trying to pour it into any drink that she can. Like she tries a soda and that doesn't work because he doesn't he doesn't do well with bubbly drinks is what they say, which is funny. Uh, and, and so she's just like, all right, well, what do you want to drink then? Because I'm going to get it for you. Yeah. So she's just putting it in all of the drinks in the hopes that he takes just one. But then the waiter comes back and explains that that round of drink was meant for another table. So he picks them back up presumably takes them over to this other table, and then this party of people's quirks start going berserk. Like, one guy's eyes turn into pouty lips before they just start shooting off lasers. I thought that was Are really oddly drawn. Are they shooting off drawn. lasers? Yeah. I thought that his eyes were coming out of his head. Like, I thought they were elongating. That would, yeah, yeah, that would be... That, I guess that's one way to read that, too. It says pew, well, though, is my It thing. says pew, though. Yeah, yeah I see that. that so he, he does. He, like... But they're like kissy lips for eyes. It does. They, he has pouty lips for eyeballs first. It's super strange because they went super literal with the sound effects here. So for the laser, you get pew. This other lady's fingers are just stretching, so you just get stretch. And then this other dude's hair, whatever his quirk is, his hair gets fluffier, so it's just fluff. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's like his afro's out of control. Yeah. It's like they really wanted to draw your attention to the very obvious thing that was taking place. And what kind of random quirks do these people have? Like, it just seems like it would be really convenient that you're in a building full of quirks that are kind of useless. You know what I mean? Well, one guy in They're like... not useless, but just not harmful. Yeah. Well, one of, one of the one guys in one of the next panels is just like melting in the background. The bartender is. Um, so Is he? I did not catch that. Yeah. He's just, he's got his hands up like a Scooby-Doo ghost and he's just melting <laughs> the whole thing. That's he's funny. just melting entirely. But that was the whole thing of this version of Trigger. We, we find out at some point, maybe later on in this chapter or the next, that it's it's basically out there to identify those strong quirks. So they, of course, you're going to get, uh, you know, in, in your pursuit of the collection of data, you're going to see a lot of useless stuff like hair fluffing and uh, kissy face eyeballs, man. Um, but then you yeah. get into somebody's quirk that you're like, oh, like that's that's somebody that we're going to need to uh, keep an eye on and try to extract his quirk so that we can incorporate it into whatever it is that we're doing. Yeah, you're right. The bartender is like melting and there's a guy to the left of him that apparently grew a second set of arms. Yeah. Out of his armpits, which is like, I mean, 
is that the most convenient place to have a second set of arms or the least convenient? Because they're already right there where you already have arms. That's true. <laughs> I guess I hadn't considered that. <laughs> <laughs> the, th the things that run through my mind somehow. Like, where else would I rather have hands besides right up under the hands that I already have? That you already have, yeah. Well, what if they came out of, like, your palms? Then you just have really long arms. Oh, that would be, the wor that would be pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, this guy just Goro's out. That's basically what he has. Absolutely, yeah. Luckily, though, I mean, it's like we said, there aren't a whole bunch of crazy rampaging villains at first, because Koichi's like, oh, wow, there's places full of villains. And then they all kind of realize, oh, they're not villains. It's just people have lost control of their quirks. So they start to call pro heroes in, or the cops, or somebody. Uh, but turns out, this is the job for Midnight. So who proceeds to strip? Yeah, she uh she pulls her wig off, pulls her sweater off after chugging a couple of beers and she's naked. Well, at least it seems like she's naked in the next few panels we see she's actually wearing like lingerie of some kind. Uh but it's funny because she's got all of the people around her slowly passing out. Uh so she's got Koichi falling asleep, the the long-haired guy falling asleep. And the, it's weird too because all of a sudden around her all of the people kind of turn into like kids. Like H Hina and Rin are both put to sleep by her and there's a panel of her holding Hina and she looks like a like a 4-year-old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but she does bust Hina for having all of the triggers. So she kind of puts two and two together is able to figure out that Hina was the one spiking the drinks and is like, "Why do you have this? Why would you do any of this? Like what's what's your plan here, you know? You've yeah. got to an answer for this." I uh right now my living situation is unique because my parents moved to the city that I live in with the plans of buying their own house, but in the interim they're living in mine. And so I was reading this in my room and I got to this page where uh, midnight is taking her clothes off and the way that it is drawn i was like dear god i cannot turn the page fast enough and then i do because i'm <laughs> like if they walk in of course they're gonna have thoughts so i turn the next page and it's like it's it's slightly better where she's clothed but it's definitely it's it's not graphic it's, it's not just, graphic but it's very it's sexual a, it is very sexual it's it's a pretty awesome uh pinup you know like you hang that in your wall or something yeah and uh the funniest thing about this adam and i were discussing this right before we started recording is I had the thought that maybe this is her hero costume before she got before she was the the reason behind that that change to hero costumes have to live up to certain modesty standards or whatever that thing was. But no, like in a few pages, she's in her regular hero costume. She showed up to this thing just to stake things out, doesn't have her hero costume on underneath. So when she takes this stuff off, the what she has on underneath is like her everyday casual lingerie. Um, and that's what we see. We see her just stripping down like she's in her own bedroom here in this, uh, in this restaurant and, uh, knocks out all the dudes and then chastises Hina, um, but gets a hold of the trigger, which I think will prove important maybe later. It's a bit ironic that she chastises Hina too, because as she's standing there in her lingerie, she tells Hina, when you plan nothing but singles mixers, people get the wrong idea. It's like, <laughs> come on, midnight. <laughs> And then there's a funny scene where uh, Midnight and Aizawa are sitting next to one another. And Aizawa's like, yeah, she was the ideal person to be there, the adult in the room, as it were. And then she's like, well, also, but I was playing the part of a student. And Aizawa seems taken back by that. And I think it's because he's like, but you're so much older than them. Uh, because these other guys, uh, is it the Hoda brothers uh, are staying in there? That's who those two guys yeah, are. Yeah, it's the Hoda brothers. Yeah. So they're like yeah. real nice reaction eraser, kind of rude to Miss Midnight, don't you think? And I think it's because he had basically uh, expressed shock because he's like, but but you're old. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't I did not get what they were talking about there. So I'm glad you explained it. That's my reading of it anyway. Uh, and then we get a scene back up in the uh, the rooftop hideout. We haven't been there in a while. And Koichi is talking to Popstep about the previous night. And she's, of course, chastising him because he doesn't know she was there. Right. Um, he'd been knocked out. And then so he doesn't even know midnight was there. None of that. Um, and he wakes up and she's saying, you just need to stay away from all these near disasters. And he's like, you know what the craziest part is? Like, even though I was surrounded by women. All of them were were completely strange and even scary. And then she takes personal <laughs> offense to that because she didn't feel like she should be lumped in with uh, the rest of those crazy women. But he he doubles down. He's like, nope, all terrifying, every last one. And at the end of this chapter is her just going, you want to think a little harder about that answer? And that's it. That's the end of episode 43. I love it. It's great. And she can't say anything to him about it. Yeah, the, the, way, that that, uh, the, the way that that ended felt very like, cartoony like the way that uh mm -hmm. like if this were a cartoon and I, i'm saying cartoon not anime intentionally 
where that's how cartoon series end with that kind of that kind of punchline almost. Oh, it felt very much like uh, uh, the old um, Animaniacs or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it was pretty fun. It's a fun little chapter. Um, and we we kind of shift gears a little bit for the next two. Actually, I mean, really the next three. Um, but that yeah, does no. feel like the end of uh, a, a little mini arc. So chapter 44 for me was named Traveler. How about you? One Outrageous Traveler. Okay, pretty close. They, they skimmed a little bit. Altern- uh, alternative title, Thomas the Tank Engine on Trigger. <laughs> triggered triggered thomas the tank engine that's pretty much what it is i mean it opens up midnight is now in her official hero costume which is still like really still revealing. racing yeah uh and she is arresting pigs which is really funny <laughs> but she's uh getting a call from pop step who is asking for her help because koichi is being run down by a villainous thomas the train uh she can't get a hold of captain celebrity because he's like filming a commercial or something and Aizawa's got a meeting to go to, so he doesn't want to be bothered. Yeah, except that uh, Midnight's just like, but the villain is like heading right for you, so why don't you just go ahead and handle this? Because he's over at the Hoda Brothers place again. And he's just hanging out there, uh, like just having, you know, that's just his daily routine. We found out they make good coffee. Why not? And Koichi knows this, so he's luring Thomas the Tank Engine and his rampage straight to where he believes Aizawa to be. And this time he's there. In a future, in a not too distant future, he's not there. Right, right. And and the whole time, Koichi's like kind of taking these little pop shots against Thomas the, the, the train here with uh, his newfound ability. And it's pretty neat. Uh, so, But it pisses the train guy off. And we get this awesome panel like zoomed in on the train's face just saying toot toot. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we need to talk about this guy's aesthetic because I think most people have a picture of Thomas the Tank, right? And it, that's accurate to the way that this guy is drawn. But he's really only Thomas the Tank from like the shoulders up. And he is fully Thomas the Tank. Like he looks yeah. like a train car with, you know, from front to back. So like his head extends uh, forward past well beyond his chest and backwards, uh, like well past his shoulder blades and all that. And it is a, a train uh, car. And then the rest of them's just dude. So this is a horribly poor quirk to be strapped with for your entire life, in my opinion. I was going to ask you, do you think that this is like a trigger enhanced quirk or do you think that this is just some dude that maybe he is on trigger, but this is just part of his costume? I think that this is his quirk. Now, I don't know if he's on trigger. That would make some sense as to why Koichi would be involved unless Koichi is guilty of like seeing this dude in public and making some wisecrack, you know, about the way that he looks. That doesn't strike me as a Koichi thing to do. Um, but something has got this dude hot on Koichi's tra- uh, tail. And so he just takes him where he knows a pro hero is because he's in the business of evading and he brings him right to Aizawa who handles him in a single panel. I mean, just there's a panel where he's running and then there's a panel where he's bound up. And it's funny because the Hoda brothers are like, why you got to bring villains our way, crawler? Hey, what do you got against our humble shop? And he says, I heard it was like an offshoot of a racer's agency. Am I wrong? <laughs> this is probably my favorite panel in the entirety of, of Vigilante so far, because Aizawa just says, no, nope, that's about right. And both the Hoda brothers say, um, no. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty great. It's good comedy here because Aizawa is totally being a mooch and it's so within his character to do that. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Like he's totally found a spot that he is comfortable and he's going to hang out there. And I don't think anything the Hoda brothers could do would get him to go away. I think the Hoda brothers got to stop looking a gift horse in the mouth. I mean, they're 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 chummy with Aizawa, who is the best character in all of the My Hero stuff, as far as I'm concerned. If Aizawa was like suddenly hanging out at my house all the time, I'd be like, bro, I will make you coffee as often as you want. You just come chill. Yeah, but you're also not a petty criminal trying to sell like bunk trigger. So <laughs> That's I mean, true. He is kind of <laughs> uh, squeezing their business a just little bit. Just a little bit. I mean, remember the bald guy that had uh, some problems that needed taken yeah. care of? He didn't even want to be around. So, I would also like to clarify that you're making a tremendously large assumption about the businesses and my affairs. So. Well. <laughs> um, but getting back uh, to Vigilantes, uh, Sukauchi just happens to be on scene, and this kind of spooks uh, Koichi off, but not before he swings by Aizawa, and he's like, hey, you remember how I was using Shudugo Blam a second ago? That girl that I'm around sometime, he's referring to Poppy, he's like... Don't don't tell her I was using that. And Aizawa's was just like, what do I care? Which seems like <laughs> and, such a weird thing to say to Aizawa. Like, I can't imagine there ever being an instance where the three of them are together and Aizawa's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I saw him do this. He wouldn't yeah. he wouldn't know to say that, you know? Well, I think that he's just 
he doesn't want Aizawa to think that that's common knowledge. Sure. And so he's just like, you know, that's fair. Put, put a button on it, man. Yeah. Well, we, we end up seeing Sukuichi and Aizawa along with the Hoda brothers. Like they use the Hoda brothers building or their, their shop like an office. I mean, they're sitting down drinking coffee, talking about the trigger that they were uh, obtained from the most recent attack in this bar and how that it seems like it's a lot less effective. Uh, it's like I mentioned earlier, it's not like it causes them to, to roid rage. They just kind of lose control of their quirk. It's like you mentioned, they're doing this so that way they can see who has the big flashy quirks. Get those other people out of the way. Use this to figure out who they really want to track down. Uh, they mentioned that there seemed to be an in-between as well. Like, there were all of these random villains that were showing up, and then there were these big monster villains, and now there are these kind of, like, uh, people that are just losing control of their quirks. Yeah, uh, Sukauchi thinks that they're using this trigger that's ingested orally to identify the quirks, and then they kidnap those people, take them off, and bioengineer them. And one of my favorite things about this this couple of pages is, number one, um, you know, they're having this very serious police mattery kind of conversation, Aizawa and Tsukauchi are, but the Hoda brothers are totally a part of it. Yeah. In fact, um, that when, they're, when they're speaking in the and they're not in the panel, the artist Betancourt draws the little Hoda brothers' heads inside of their caption bubbles, and I really liked that a lot. I thought that that was super helpful to keep track of who was saying what. It's a I nice wish, touch. I wish they would do yeah, that more often. I would a hundred percent. Yeah, the Hoda brothers—they're—they're they're in and they're a part of this, and they end up saying that's just your wild theory eraser. After that crab route got shut down, maybe someone else stepped in to profit from the drugs, huh, Mister De- Mister Detective? It seems weird that they've accepted these two brothers as like almost full-fledged officers i mean they they don't they don't let them do anything but they talk about some pretty serious stuff right in front of them they're almost like informants i guess really yeah that's i think that's the role that they're filling um informants and also uh you know like the the people who unlock aizawa's secret uh hideout you know um (laughs) true okay (laughs) they've got the keys yeah they they do end up connecting the guy with the acceleration quirk to the the orally ingested trigger and also the crab route, um, so they know that he's kind of uh, the man behind the scenes of all of this. And they thought they had figured out where his base of operations were. When they got there, he was gone. Um, but they do have this um, this new trigger, and they were able to trace it back to China. And the, yeah, this is awesome because they mentioned that like since it's in China or coming from China, it might be pretty hard for the Japanese cops and or heroes to really do anything about it, if anything at all. And Aizawa says publicly, yes, but I can make my way over there and deal with it quietly. And everyone kind of gives him this real worried like, oh, man, he might actually do it. <laughs> Does, do you get the sense Aizawa's breaking the fourth wall in, the, in this next panel where he turns towards you, the reader, away from both of the Hoda brothers and Tsukauchi, who are the only people in the room, and he says, it's not good, I know, when I let these outlaws influence me for the worse. He's talking to us. He's fourth yeah, wall no. breaking right now. He told, He's totally fourth wall breaking. I, that's exactly what I was thinking, too. And he's letting us know, like, he, he's hanging out with the vigilantes. He's picking up on a little bit of maybe what they're putting down, you know? Like, hey, he's got some business he needs to take care of. Why, did, why not him? Why can't he go be a vigilante somewhere, right? Yeah, and, and so right after that, that talk of China, we whisk ourselves off to Hong Kong, and we are following a, uh, we're, we're kind of see these uh, shots of a crowded street, and then we kind of zoom in on a guy who's got a hood on and a little sack slung up over his shoulder. He walks into what looks to be an apothecary or like a medical, like a natural herb, spices, rhino horn store. Like a tea shop or something almost, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like natural medicine yeah. shop. He, I also noticed that on his hands, he's got uh, bandages. So I, I, right off the bat, I just assumed it was Aizawa. I'm like, oh, oh really? Sense. Interesting. Yeah, like for, I assumed it was Aizawa until the very end of this chapter, actually. Gotcha. Yeah, he walks in and he's, he's asking for food. Um, and then he ends up kind of walking himself through a code because he says, far away, turned on to Nathan Road seven times. And that seems to be the first half of a... Uh, a series of phrases that are like code to this, the man running this shop that he's there for something that's uh, not on display or for sale. Um, at least not to the general public. Um, right. But the, the shop owner also realizes that this is an older password. And so he rings this little bell. These three thugs come out from a back room and he's just like, yeah, you're, you're no customer of mine and we don't take kindly to window shoppers. So this guy is brandishing a knife and a cigarette and he walks up places uh, his arm on the shoulder of this still hooded figure and that hand is promptly removed. The knife uh, hand is arrested and then uh, that arm that was wielding the knife is broken like at the elbow with a, a jab down. I mean, it's very 
uh, it's very kinetic the way that it's drawn. There's a giant crack and he goes down and uh, the, the hooded guy's just like, I guess you need a new password and a new bodyguard, which I really appreciated. He says, oh, don't be like that. Like I said, I'm just here for info as the other two bodyguards like pull out a, a big sword and a uh, a gun like they're freaking out. They're ready. And it looks like one of these bodyguards has like a metal chin or something. Maybe I called it the Thanos chin. It is a Thanos chin for sure. And they ask, they just say, who are you? And he says, just a traveler taking some time off. Not police, clearly. Private eye, no. A hero, question mark? No, it can't be. And if we zoom in uh, to see this figure standing next to another figure. who I, I don't know if we've seen the one on the right, but he's he, the, the man that owns the shop is kind of putting two and two together. And he says, I'm curious if it's translated differently for you. In, in mine, it says something like Kuapan Saikyon. C i u p a n s e i k y u n uh hyper quad fist yes so o'clock right I mean we know that he had the four punch or yep attack and the so. uh, the figure to the right is o'clock um, it is okay like, I wasn't sure if yeah. we had seen that or not I inferred it was o'clock but yep that's him and they they exclaim some interesting stuff they say no way he's supposed to be dead guy got his face split and his quirk stolen. And then he says, nevertheless, I'm here. And it is none other than Knuckle Duster. I know. I was really surprised to see him again. I didn't think we would. I was I was super excited to see him, number one, because I've been on record since the day that he left that hospital that I, I was going to sorely miss him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now he's back. And number two, I had called either maybe one, uh, two or two episodes or so ago. I theorized that he, that Knuckle Duster was none other than O'Clock based on he some... Did. At very loose um, evidence, but it seems to have been uh, just just tight enough to be true, and so which is pretty crazy. And you mentioned something even crazier to me because the villains here—I say villains—they're probably not super villainous. I guess they're just bodyguards this guy hired. But they mentioned that his quirk was stolen, and and you had said up to this point, do we know of anyone that really could steal quirks other than All for One? And I'm guessing not. I mean, I, at first, I hadn't even considered the idea that All for One would be part of Vigilantes. You know, it doesn't... I mean, he's, he seems like he's such a big villain in My Hero proper that it would be crazy to have him span across all of the spinoffs. But, I mean, it makes sense now that I'm saying it out loud. Yeah, I think that the his his largeness is the reason why it makes absolute sense that he would be... Um, that he wouldn't be ignored. That he wouldn't just be off doing his own thing and all of the things surrounding him and, and the, the shenanigans that he got up to were just something that was going on over there that, that wouldn't affect, you know, everywhere, really. Yeah. Uh, and, and that it's true that the only person that we know that steals quirks, even up through the newest movie, was All for One, um, with the exception of Nine, who is kind of an offshoot of All for One. Um, and, and so it, if, if nothing else, the book wants you to think that the person who stole... Uh, Knuckle Duster's original quirk was none other than All for One. And I'm curious to hear that whole story. I want to know how he got that scar on his face, how he survived, if if he has an ember of his quirk, because, you know, that's that's a thing, sort of. Um, you know, does does he have uh, some small remnant or, or capability left in him? I don't know. Um, but I that was part of why I theorized he was O'Clock, was I said... There was this early encounter where he got up really close and was able to just stay just out of reach. And that felt like a speed quirk thing to me. Um, But if his quirk is just 100% stolen, that was uh, good sounding evidence, but was no evidence at all. Um, But hey, it still led me to the to the right destination. So I'm, I'm, I'm chalking this up as a win. Well, and, and it seems like he's back, at least maybe not for good, but he's at least back for the next couple chapters, because starting off in uh, chapter, what is it, 44, 45? 45. Yep, 45 here. Uh, it goes right back to the hospital where his daughter is, and this one is just named Mr. Kuro Iwa for me. This one's The Man Returns, and they the should have returns. called it, you know, Grandpa Fist Returns, but... Grandpa Fist Returns. I love the beard. What do you think about the beard? He's got I this, like, thick love beard. It. I love it. Did you? It's awesome. Uh, uh, did you see on Twitter a while ago? I think I might have shared it in the Discord too, where somebody had uh, given All Might a similar beard treatment. Yes, yes, and it looked really. He looked like Thor almost. Yes, it's awesome. Listen, on most male characters, a beard is an improvement. And agreed. Um, yeah. On I love it. I, and when uh, when his daughter basically is just like, I need you to cut that off. I was like, Wait, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> it don't looks look awesome. So cool. Yeah. 
Well, we do start off 45 with us back in the hospital. Soga and all of his buddies are there hanging out. We've got the reptile guy. I don't remember the flame friend. Uh, you I don't remember him it, at all? I no, I remember him, but I don't remember his name. Oh, I don't either. Yeah, it's it's not important. And they don't say it. They, uh, I mean, uh, Soga calls the lizard-looking dude wrapped at one point, and I don't know Which if Which is that... not his name, no. Yeah, and that could be... I don't be... remember it, but that's not his name. It could be like a truncation of it, um, like, right. a, you know, like wrapped instead of raptor or raptilian or who knows, whatever. Well, and wrapped is like playing on a guitar and apparently not well, uh, and for some reason it causes nerves in his tail to freak out. <laughs> I, like he gets a tail cramp. I don't know. It's kind of strange, but it's really just these four kind of chucking it up. Uh, you know, they're they're trying to entertain Tamao, Knuckle Duster's daughter. Keep yeah, keep her happy, keep her calm or whatever. We don't really know where she's at. Last time we saw her, she had just woken up and had bees in her head. So the fact that she's even able to like sit up and talk is pretty impressive, really. Uh, Soga takes the the guitar, tunes it, and tells her that she should play it. And she's like, "Well, the only reason I ever played it, anyways, was to piss off my dad." And cue dad walking in. Yeah, and apparently it's been a while, um, long enough, obviously, for him to have uh, grown this beard, uh, but not long enough for uh, them to stop calling him Grandpa Fist, which I'm here for. And uh, the the first thing Tamo says to him is the beard's gross, and I'm like, "You shut your mouth, Tamo." <laughs> Did you notice that Wrapped and the fl- Fire Guy were like hiding from Knuckle Duster? Yeah, like, they're still scared. They're by- of yeah, them. they're behind the curtains in a in a panel here in just a second. But Soga's just chilling. Yeah, you know, he's just yeah. Soga doesn't care. Yeah, he's just like, well, good. Now I can leave and. Uh, knuckle duster's all like no not yet dude and it's almost more than that he gets on a knuckle duster at first because he's like i don't really care where you've been like you can't just abandon your family like that and and knuckle duster is not really acknowledging what he said but tamo is like no it's okay you know my old man's only good for taking up space anyway like she seems like she's she's trying to make excuses for her dad you know i man i felt like they way over characterized her as like the teenage, the angsty teenage daughter who hates her dad. Really? I kind of got that from the beginning. I mean, that whole thing where with her leaving the the house and everything, like chapters and chapters ago. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's unwarranted, like that they haven't done a good job of setting that up. Getting, yeah, of setting that up. But he did, he did remove a giant freaking grub thing from her face. And I don't know that she said sorry or uh, that she said uh, thank you. That's fair. She's still acting. And maybe maybe she's not because she isn't sure how to do that. You know, like teens sometimes get in that place where they know that they should say a thing, but they can't because they're supposed to be angry all the right, time. because they're teenagers, um, yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, she, even this thing where they're like, eventually she doesn't play the guitar until Soga keeps pushing it on her. And he's like, you should just play just to just to be a jerk to your dad. And then that's when she starts playing the guitar. I'm like, OK, all right, we get it. You're you're a teenage. You're a teenage person. It's not even about her being a female. Yeah, but yeah. that's pretty much that entire scene with her, her playing that guitar and him leaving the hospital. Um, he ends up meeting up with is, is this the other cop that Sukoichi has been working with? I think so. He seemed like somebody that. The way that they treat him, it's like, you know who this person is. But I'm like, I've, I feel like I'm supposed to know who this person is, but I don't remember a name or it anything. It felt like he was either the cop that Sukoichi was working with, or he was the villain broker that we've run into a couple of times. Those were the two guys that they, he resembled in my, my mind. He's definitely not working for the bad guys. Is he not, though? Because, so, I mean, because Knuckle Duster's talking to him. They're both smoking cigarettes. They're, they're standing outside, and he hands him a pack of cigarettes that has an SD card in it, and it, he's talking about it having some intel. And he says something along the lines of, like, he says, uh, this guy's been in business a while, and it'd be bad for his rep if people knew another Underworld gang was using him. So I'm assuming that they're talking about, like, uh, another gang is using Knuckle Duster? Or are they talking about the rep from China that's making the new triggers? So I think what's going on here, uh, the reason why I think that this guy is totally a cop is there's, in just a second, Knuckle Duster is just like, if you see this guy, shoot him. And he says, the the mysterious cop person says, my younger colleagues tried that already. Oh, that's right. So he was there during the, uh, or maybe he wasn't there, but, you know, some of the people on the force were there during the the crab route stuff. Um, So what this seems to be is, Knuckle Duster is still working to clean up the streets some uh, and is able to do things that these police can't um, like he did. He did what Aizawa jokingly said he was going to do. I mean, that's what took place. Right. here. Do you think he's like on the books? Like, is he official? Knuckle Duster? Yeah. Um, 
Or do you think this is all like under the table? They just paid a vigilante to to get done what they needed to get done. I, I don't even know that he is getting paid. I think that he is a man of principle, and so he, he's well, yeah. And that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. I guess not necessarily that he's getting paid, but I'm just wondering if he really is a clock. He probably worked with the police back in yeah. the day, so they would have to know who he yeah, is. Yeah, I right? think he 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 could be a known entity for sure. Um, but the I think that he's doing he's kind of walking a weird middle place between vigilante and and pro hero slash police force where he's like i do this vigilante thing and then i turn over the goods to the people who can do things a little bit more efficiently people who have more resources than i do whatever that whatever that may be it still furthers his cause knuckle duster's cause um but it also um kind of brings in more resources than he has access to on his own that makes sense i just seems weird that like aizawa wouldn't have recognized him and whatnot in the beginning of vigilantes when they first fought yeah well i mean when he was o'clock he had a big he had a full face covering on he still does his knuckle duster he's got scars that o'clock maybe didn't i don't know i don't know how well known I mean, it's known enough that his face was all jacked up and that his quirk was stolen, that a bunch of thugs over in another country knew that story. But that could, maybe that took place in China. I have no idea. Well, and not only that, but assuming Aizawa did know O'Clock, he would also know he's probably dead, so... Yeah, or assume that much, yeah, because everybody else did. Right, so we can assume, we we can make the assumption then that, that... he is undercover to some extent. I saw must not have recognized him. It just yeah. seemed really convenient that all of a sudden he was working with the cops. Yeah, I I, th- I think that he is. He'll do whatever he needs to do in order to do the things he wants to do. If that that's a really <laughs> rambly way of saying if if it accomplishes his ends, he will resort to any means and yep. the illegal things he'll handle himself. If he thinks that the pros or the professionals can do a better job or a more thorough job or have access to things that he doesn't, I think he's he's fine to turn those things over. Right, right. He's a cog in the machine. Yeah, no, that makes sense. The uh, the police officer brings up the fact, uh, again, that they've run into this guy who's got this speed quirk. Um, and he's like, so what What do we do if, if we run into this guy? You know anything about who this person might be? And Knuckle Duster's just like, yeah, if you see him... Don't hesitate. Just open fire. Like you have to surprise him and you just need to shoot him. And the police guy's just like, yeah, we tried that. Plus, you know, we're not actually in the job of just like walking around and shooting people. And so Knuckle Duster says, I guess taking down guys like that is why I'm here. And so I think he's getting ready to go do the shady side of whatever his dealings are again when it comes to uh, this this speedster guy. Also, this is the second time I forgot to point this out um, that Knuckle Duster says I'm here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've seen him kind of be in this almost like dark side all might a little bit, the way that they frame him, uh, and, uh, and stage some of his dialogue. And so this, he said it right at the end of the last chapter and he says it here again with this ghastly grin, like he's, he's reveling in the fact that he's going to have to be the one or at least part of the solution to this speedster guy. I think he likes getting down and dirty, man. Like he just, he likes being involved in the, the dirty side of being a hero, you know? Yeah, and there could definitely be some history here that really incentivizes him getting Absolutely. his hands dirty. So Right. And so we finish this chapter with like basically a bookend from the beginning because it's the same exact situation, except this time around it's not Thomas the train engine. It looks like the same guy is now like a dog or something. Yeah, it's still a train because it's still going choo choo, but it looks different. I don't, and I'm not savvy enough with Thomas the Tank Engine that show to know if there's one that has big old floppy ears for some reason, but it's definitely somebody with that same uh, very unfortunate looking quirk, and yeah. I don't think it's the same person. I don't think it is either. It's just unfortunate. <laughs> uh, but this time, like you had mentioned earlier, Eraser is not around, uh, so he is not a Eraser head's not around, so he's not able to help out. Uh, and, and the Hoda brothers are like, our shop isn't actually his home base, just so you know, but we'll give him a call. So relax. <laughs> yeah. And he's just told to keep this guy running around in circles until they can get a hold of one of the pro heroes. Meanwhile, Knuckle Duster in his uh, burly man bearded state is sitting up on the uh, a nearby rooftop, just watching and kind of grinning, um, yep. you know, watching Pop Step and Koichi uh, getting up into their vigilante business, but offering no aid whatsoever. Because Koichi spots him and he's like, was that Master? And Pop Step's like, if it were him, wouldn't he help us? And he's just like, isn't there something I forgot to do? 
and it's it's go shave. So uh, <laughs> it might be the last we see of the epic beard. Um, in the manga, there is a cool little like rough sketch of uh, bearded knuckle duster that I'll share to the Twitter when this episode goes live, as well oh, as cool. the panel with the full reveal of of the in, the initial reveal of the beard. Because ah man, it's a it's a glam up in my opinion. I I hate to hear that he's gonna have to be shaving that off soon. I know. I, I hate that because it, it looks awesome. Um, out of curiosity, do you remember him being a smoker? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Really? I don't know. For some reason, I didn't remember that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But he, he was has a he like constantly has a cigarette in his hand this entire chapter. It seems like. Yeah. So and for some reason, I just didn't remember him being a smoker. Well, we get into episode 46, which is called Christmas Eve Hero, mm-hmm. um, which feels very near like filler until some stuff that goes down at the end yeah initially uh it's pop and and koichi they're heading over to uh the naruhata they're gonna meet up and do a christmas party it sounds like uh, but i don't know that they necessarily know that they're gonna be doing a christmas party yet uh, but they're, they're meeting up over there and they end up meeting up with mikado and captain celebrity who we haven't seen either of them in a while either yeah, they've been busy. And I'll, I'll interject right here, too. I meant to say this before we got into um, episode uh, episode 45, is this is the beginning of Volume 7. And okay. when I picked this up, um, I was immediately disheartened. Because Why? the cover of, episode, of, of Volume 7 seems to imply, to me at least, that there's going to be some other mall performance of some kind and i was not Uh, looking forward to that like it's got uh pop steps in this cheerleading uniform a couple of the uh the feather girls are there plus the three little girl scout looking chicks and captain celebrity and you also have best genist who we haven't seen so far and won't uh in the in stuff we cover here ed shot and then i don't know who this blonde person is on the left but I was just like, oh, my God, please. Especially when this uh, this episode started, I was like, dear Lord, please do. No, just don't don't do that thing again. I, I can't handle it. Uh, and so we come real close. They're doing like a year end uh, like wrap up meeting and Christmas party. Uh, and Captain Celebrity picks uh, Koichi and Pop Step up and flies them because they were running late. But Koichi ends up getting cold on the way and nobody else does. And he has some questions about that. I do like, before we get into his questions, uh, there's a panel with Captain Celebrity holding Mikado, and it says, look up in the, or it says, look up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Captain Celebrity. It's just kind of cool seeing that old, like, Comic Sans, you know? I don't see that anywhere in this manga. Really? Yeah, that's not in here. That's not in the production manga. Where are you seeing that? The big panel? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, uh, on page three, I would assume. It says, uh, it's, it's got, like, Captain Celebrity flying around, and uh, it says our meeting is about to begin, you know? And then Mikado, he's holding Mikado, and it's got Koichi and Pop on the ground. Yeah, that's not in the manga at all. None of those words are in here. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So you like something unofficial. I do. It's pretty cool, though. Counts as your headcanon. We'll chalk it up to that. So anyways, uh, Pop and Koichi are running late. Like you mentioned, uh, Captain Celebrity picks him up and he flies them off. But it's funny because he holds Mikado and then he like throws Pop over his shoulder. He just holds on to Koichi by like his book bag, though, like just totally dangling. And so he freezes uh, and he, he's trying to figure out like, man, I'm frozen. What's going on? How come you guys aren't cold? And we do get a little bit of uh, information here about how his quirk works. He says that the secret lies in my quirk. Uh, the aerodynamic field that surrounds my whole body isn't what pushes me forward while flying. Rather, it protects me from heat, cold, and physical harm. So he's able to take this and expand the field, and it can cover over anybody who might be along for the ride. But he just chose to cover the women because he says it's pretty much the same as being under a blanket with Koichi, which is kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a strange analogy. Um but yeah, I, I looked up uh, on the Boku no Hero Academia wikis, and it says that Captain Celebrity's quirk is just flight. And it says Christopher's quirk allows him to fly at high speeds. But under another section called Abilities, it says that he has something called tactile telekinesis. That he can use a personal force field of telekinetic energy to create this aerodynamic barrier that he just described. And they also attribute his superhuman strength to that same tactile telekinesis. And it even goes out of its way at one point to say that um, it gives him enough strength to one-punch god-sized villains, and with the assistance of his quirk, 
that flight quirk, even lift large ships. So I'm very confused about what his quirk actually is entirely, uh, because the 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 manga makes it sound like one thing, and the, this thing makes it sound like a totally different thing. So yeah, it almost sounds like he has multiple quirks, or or like one of them isn't a quirk at all. He just practiced really hard at it. Yeah, or all he has to do is say that this thing somehow also gives me fight, uh, flight, and I'll believe that, but that's not what the wiki says. Um, right. And I, I would think that this thing is up to date, and and all this really does is make him cannonball, really, from um, from Marvel Comics, because Cannonball was able to kind of project this his barrier around himself that made him invulnerable. It didn't give him super strength, um, but he did use it to kind of propel himself around, and he could extend it to other people. Right. Um, so when I was reading this, I was, I was like, oh, he's Sam Guthrie now, um, which I'm not against. Uh, we, there are a lot of parallels to X-Men and other uh, Western comic book uh, superheroes throughout everything My Hero. So I wasn't shocked to see that there's some crossover. Definitely, definitely not. Well, Mikado asks Koichi to keep this kind of on the down low. She says that the info is strictly off the record, and, and he thinks it's just because it would be bad for his public image. Koichi originally thinks that the reason that he has to keep this on the down low is because it would have something to do with his public image, like maybe it would sully that public image, but it's it, Mikado actually tells him it's because if people know more about the quirks, then they know how to get around them. So it's not good for pro heroes to let everyone around them know how their quirks work because then villains find out and villains can figure out how to penetrate through those quirks and kill the good guys. We definitely don't want that. Which makes sense to me. But at the same time, when I was reading that, I was wondering, wasn't there rumor or talk at some point of there being like a quirk registry? Yeah, that's what I thought too. Like quirk Facebook, basically. Yeah, where I, I don't recall it strongly enough to be like, oh, de- they were definitely talking about how quirks were registered and like your whatever your thing was, was known. Um, but uh, apparently either that's not true or it was done away with or ignored. Um, or maybe this is before that time. Maybe I'm recalling that from something that my hero proper. I, I need to look I need to look that up because it did bother me as I was reading this. Um, because wonder... it makes total Mikado's argument makes sense if that registry isn't a thing because if that registry exists, there's no way that villains wouldn't be able to access it somehow if they wanted to. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say maybe they do it in a way where like captain celebrity is able to explain to the registrar how his powers work without them really writing it down. Uh, but I can't imagine that. I mean, then it's not really a registry. So, and, and it doesn't matter how they're storing it. Like there's gotta be someone out there with a quirk that can hack into anything. Right. Yeah, and maybe maybe what I'm confusing now that I'm spending some extra time thinking on this is you remember the conversation in My Hero, the anime, uh, the anime, where it was the discussion about the girl thought that she had water manipulation, but then it turned out to be this totally other thing. And I thought that maybe that was a registration thing, but now that I'm thinking about that, I think that was about costume design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I so think so. maybe that's where I'm getting my wires crossed. I'll look into that and see if I can't find an answer, or if you know the answer about uh, whether quirks are registered somehow, some way, um, somewhere, and you're listening to this, hit us up on Twitter and point us in the right direction. I think that'd be helpful. But regardless, Mikado is, what she says is true, um, they, they quickly move into a couple pages of Christmas party, um, including the, uh, the boss slash owner of the malls dressed up like Santa Claus and is passing out gift certificates. Is it Santa Claus? He totally looks like Winnie the Pooh to me. I mean, he, I think he is a bear. Oh, like, I think, okay. Yeah. So, I think he's a bear person. I like forgot. that's his yeah, quirk. That sounds about right. Okay. So, uh, we catch up in, like a full page later. You don't miss much when you zoom past that Christmas party. Um, Captain Celebrity is crashed out with the little girl scouts, uh, kind of. Uh, passed out uh, upon him and they're talking about how busy he's been and he wakes up and he's like all right on to the next job and Mikado explains that you know it's it's fine you don't have anything until after new year's just relax for a little while it's true there will be plenty to do for the next six months preparing for your homecoming and this starts to rattle captain celebrity's cage yeah, he's really not super up for a homecoming. I mean, he's we know that he has come to Japan because he's got all these lawsuits back home happening. It seems like there might have been some infidelity issues. Uh, so he's going through possibly a bad divorce, a bunch of lawsuits. Uh, the idea of him going back home is like totally freaking him out. Uh, and Mikado explains that the lawsuits are actually going to be wrapped up uh, in court by the year's end. So that shouldn't really be a big deal. And once that happens, they're going to reinstate his hero license in all of the states. So that way he can actually be a hero again. Uh, and more than likely, the restraining orders are going to be lifted as well. They're, they're trying to get all this stuff settled so that way he can go back home. 
Uh, besides, most of the suits against you amounted to entrapment of some kind, is what Mikado says. Uh, so, you know, she's like, eh, you know, honey traps, paparazzi trouble. It's just a mess of frivolous litigation. Frankly, you make an easy mark. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then she even threatens him ominously because yeah. she says, in fact, I've got my own evidence against you if it ever comes to that. And he's just like, oh, please, God, only only ever be my friend, not, not my enemy. I remember seeing that, too, when Captain Celebrity was first introduced. I feel like there was some moment where she, like, captured him on video or recorded him saying some kind of creepy things and was like, and I'll keep on to that in case you ever do it again. <laughs> yeah, and that's pretty much what he does for the next couple of pages is say things very strangely. Um, and they yeah. keep pointing out that, yeah, that's the kind of, uh, that's the kind of language that, uh, that, uh, you're going to get in trouble for if you keep it up. But it's he also really finds weird. out that he's going to be a dad when he goes back home, which is kind of strange too, because he's like, hold up, I'm going to be a dad. And, and Mikado's like, well, yeah, yeah. In fact, I, when I talked to your wife, she said, I know my husband's got a good heart. He's a little too soft hearted. In fact, and he's in no place to raise a child at this point. So I've decided to raise our baby on my own. So he's like, first time he's hearing about it, he's kind of freaking out. Right. Um, so apparently he left, uh, to come to Japan without knowing that his wife was pregnant, but we know that Mikado spoke on the phone with his wife. And apparently during that conversation or in subsequent conversations, Mikado has convinced his wife that she's going to whip him into right proper dad shape. Like not dad bod shape, like being a good dad shape. Just, yeah, um, just and, being a good dad. And that was totally her whole thing from the beginning was we're going to improve your image. So she's basically made Captain Celebrity her pet project. The wife seems to trust her in this and things seems to be, uh, seem to be at a place where uh, Pamela is the wife's name is uh, willing to have him back and, and let this uh, dad thing stick, which gets his lips all a quivering and makes him all uh, mushy gushy as he says. So I'm heading back to the states, huh? I'm uh, I'm even gonna have a kid when I get there. Couldn't ask for a better Christmas gift. But while he's saying that, he's taken one of the little girl scouts and is like rubbing her face up against his. It's weird. And this <laughs> understandably freaks all those girls out. Um, and he's like, "Wait, I, I meant that in a wholesome way." And Mikado's just like, "Yeah, you have a knack for saying things in a very strange ways." So they uh, they go to put the girls in a taxi to send him home. Uh, it's it's dark. It's getting late. So they put him in a taxi. But then uh, this oh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. They put him in a taxi. Then he says the other thing that's even stranger because he looks at Mikado and says, "Kids are real cute, aren't they? I wouldn't mind three rugrats of my own running around at home. What do you say to that, Mikado?" As if he's propositioning her to be the bearer of his these three kids that he's referencing. Um, but Mikado's just like, I think you need to talk to your wife about that, not me, because <laughs> that could lead to another misunderstanding. Yeah. He says, oh, wouldn't want that. The way, and you know, I can't tell if Captain Celebrity is just really bad at, at communicating or if he's just creepy, you know? Yeah. I think it's just, he's, I think he's become more aware of it. I think maybe the creep factor is starting to get dialed back because of the work that Mikado has put into him. Like maybe he was a little bit more of a loose cannon, uh, you know, uh, just because of his power and prominence and position was just like, I can do what I want, say what I want and run away from any consequences. Uh, but Mikado's trying to get him to be a little bit more self-aware and right. tone some of these things back. So I think it's more incidental now or accidental now, uh, than it used to be. Like he's really trying to make a big character change. Well, but all they... this character change stuff is interrupted here by, uh, a new bioengineered being and a yeah. pretty cool one at that it is cool it looks like possibly like a, one of the very first nomus maybe i mean it's this big dragon thing that has these big square chiclet teeth but no eyes yeah he's a drone i mean he's yeah. the he's a yeah. biological drone i mean that's exactly what they treat him like in yep. this uh in this scene too he sweeps down or swoops down and grabs a hold of the entire taxi with the three girls and the uh, my favorite part about this panel, though, is the taxi driver's just like, I'm out, and just jumps. <laughs> he leaves those three little girls in the back seat, and he's <laughs> <You're> bailed <right>. out. <laughs> he does. I did not catch that, but he totally does just bail. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, nope, I'm out of here. Good luck. Well, and Your fare's not going to cover the damages to this car. They're worried that this this drone is just going to drop the kids and or drop the car, so you know they, they die from that height. So Captain Celebrity says, fear not, I'll best that villain. He you know swoops off, and there's a nice little swoosh at the bottom. Uh, but right as he makes it up to the, the villain and, and to grab the girls, we cut over and see this, this speedster hero or not hero villain that we've been kind of getting 
a few glimpses of every couple chapters. And he's got like an iPhone and he hits the blast button. And that that drone blows up right in Captain Celebrity's face. And this was the moment where I was like, oh, man, did they just kill him? Like, that was pretty brutal out of nowhere. Yeah, that's a hard tonal shift from Christmas party to we just Kaboom. killed one of the <laughs> one of the prominent uh, uh, pro heroes on the, of of this particular time in the My Hero Academia world. Yeah, yeah, no joke. Uh, I mean, I like it, how you were more concerned with whether or not Captain Celebrity died and not whether or not the three little girls died. I don't even know their names. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I don't either. <laughs> I call them the Girl Scout girls all the time, but still, you're just like, man, oh, poor Captain Celebrity. Me. Like, my initial reaction was like, eh, good riddance. I mean, he was going home, which meant that I thought that he was going to be out of our hair anyway. I've not really had much of a liking for this character until this, like this chapter. chapter. Yeah, this chapter. This chapter they made him, him a little bit more human. Uh, yeah. I mean, he falls out of the sky. His shirt's all ripped up. Like, his whole outfit, really, is pretty ripped up. He's holding all three little girls, and uh, he's like, are you three okay? Not hurt, I hope. You know, he's freaking out. But they're all totally fine. And, and it's funny because Koichi is losing his mind. So is Mikado. They're like, are you okay? Whoa, you're bleeding. Like, what's going on? Like, what was that blast from? And, and everybody's like, oh my gosh, you know, Captain Celebrity's hurt. What's going on? And so everybody's freaking out. And he's, he's telling him like, no, stop, no photos. I'm looking my absolute worst. And Mikado's like, you big dummy. You look better than you ever have. Like, you just saved these kids. This is perfect. Everybody start taking photos. I mean, this is what he yeah. wants. This is the kind of press she's been working her butt off for. So, yeah, and and you see that he extended in the in a panel before this. You can see his kind of glowy aura around those three girls, where it's evident that he extended the force field around them. Yes, instead of him. Them yeah, instead of himself. And and uh, the speedster guy with the iPhone picks up on that. He says, "Flight plus explosives. We can make good use of this particular bioengineered being." Uh, and he says, you know, it looked like he threw up some sort of barrier just as it went off and he directed most of it towards the brats, leaving him totally defenseless, which means that the very information that Mikado didn't want to get out has just been deduced. Yeah, this guy says he ain't actually immortal. Like, say I release two or three of those flying bombers, let's see him survive that little trap. Which, to be fair, would be pretty brutal, I would think, for Captain Celebrity. I think so, too. And that final panel right there maybe it's changed my mind about where this guy is on this uh bad guy hierarchy because i think in a previous episode of mine or of ours we had the conversation that i thought that maybe he was equal to um queen b yeah you know that they were kind of equal but there was somebody that was above them i still think that that's true because he has spoken with somebody but he also has access to and um basically full control of a series of these bioengineered creatures. Like he didn't say, I'll have to go and ask master if I can do this. He says, right. I wonder if I can, uh, you know, what happens if I do do this thing? So he seems to have some autonomy. This is the guy that's got the, the button that releases these no moves. I mean, he's, it seems like you're right. He is a, at least a lot higher up than, than queen B was. You remember too, where Shigaraki had to ask for, yeah, Nomu? I was about to say like Shigaraki had to reach out and, and ask for the no move. So I wonder if, like where this guy is in comparison to Shigaraki at this point in time. Cause I would think that we don't, do we know Shigaraki's age? Uh, no, but it would be, you know, around about early twenties. Yeah. I would think that he's somewhere nearish within like 20% of the lifespan of the, my hero kids, like the, the so, high schoolers. Okay. So if that's the case, then he's likely a high schooler right now. So I wonder if this is Shigaraki's predecessor to some extent. Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. Like maybe this, maybe Shigaraki gets uh, or replaces this guy. Well, that that way. Yeah, I don't. I could see that. I don't know that that makes a ton of sense given the the back story that we have between All for One and Shigaraki, like finding him as a young kid. It's possible though that it, we know for a fact now, especially with the movie, that they were trying to get someone else to have All for One's powers. So it's possible that this is the nine before nine. I mean, we know that the, that Knuckle Duster's quirk was stolen and perhaps given to this guy. So it wouldn't surprise me if this was the first experiment. Like, can we take a speed quirk and put it in someone else? Yeah, I think I think that there is some there is a chance that Shigaraki isn't being groomed yet. Um, okay. And even even though All for One got him at a young age, I think that there is a chance that this villain was given O'Clock's 
quirk, but I also had it in my mind based on that one like dream sequence that I thought was super ambiguous and that continues to be problematic even to today in this conversation, that maybe there was evidence that he was training with O'Clock because they had a similar quirk, um, not because he had taken he had been given O'Clock's quirk, but that could be I agree. misinformation. It could be misunderstanding on our part. Who knows? I, I think that there yeah, are, that's true. I, I don't, f- yeah. I, I mean, there's definitely some things that uh, remain to be seen with, uh, sure. with regards to this guy and his relation to O'Clock and all for one and um, how the events of what we're reading now uh, inter like interact with, or even, um, even uh, affect or or what's the what's the more or cause the the conditions that we understand in my hero as far as like the villains and their place and their interactions and all that stuff so lots to still learn and it's a good thing because like you said we have 40 something more chapters to go minimum absolutely well and and the other thing i want to bring up too and i'm curious what you think about this because it's something i actually did take down a note on with the announcement that captain celebrity's wife is having a baby we know kind of a timeline about since when he showed up. It would, I mean, really, you would, you could say that it's been about three months, I would guess, unless they're just saying that, like, when he shows back up, you know, his wife's going to have a kid. It, it could be a year old. It could be, yeah, just born. Who knows? But the way that it was worded made me think that the entirety of this series, since Captain Celebrity has shown up, at least, has been about three months. Yeah, I mean, he's. It's been a very short period of time. Um, I mean, he when Mikado drops the snooze on him, it's the first he's hearing about it. It's she says you're scheduled to be there when your wife gives birth next month. Right. So, so you're talking of when they get back, it will have been approximately eight months since he left. You know, because conception is sure. is a flighty thing. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So that's interesting. It was just nice to, at least in my mind, to have a bit of a timeline here because there are times when I've wondered, like, is this and is Vigilantes taking place over a year, a week, a couple days? You know, like it seems like it could be anywhere in between sometimes. Yeah. But overall, these were these were good, man. Um, so I know we haven't set up anybody to cast for this episode because we cast nine in the movie episode. But next time we get together and talk, do you want to do Soga? Yeah, let's do Soga. Let's do the uh, let's do the uh, the babysitter. As I like to refer to him as affectionately. He has kind of become a babysitter. I feel like he would stab my eyes out if he heard me call him oh, that. Yeah. But that is, that's, that's kind of the role that he's taken on. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I want to know more about him. He seems like an interesting character, and he's had a very big character arc in comparison to other people. I mean, we, he started out as a villain in my mind, and now he is working with one of the main character's kids, like taking care of them. I mean, there's got to be more between him and Knuckle Duster than we know. Yeah, he he's definitely he's had every opportunity to not be a part of Vigilantes anymore, but they keep him around. Yeah. So I'm interested in seeing where he goes, and I, I'm really interested in hearing who you cast as him. This will be a fun one. Okay, yeah, I'm up. I'm up for it. Next time we sit down, we will cover the next four episodes slash chapters of Vigilantes, and we'll cast Soga. That sounds like a blast. Awesome. Well, we'll see you guys then. All right, see you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O. 